Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, welcome to Life Community. So glad you're here this morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors. And uh, it's Easter. Happy Easter. Um, I love Easter. It's so fun to celebrate. It, we've kind of had this week of, um, of reflections on what Christ has done for us, and now we get to celebrate in that. That's what Easter is all about today. Um, you'll notice some of this stuff. You'll notice this cross up here. You'll notice some of the artwork here that's not usually here. And then there's some words and pictures on these canvases back here. That's all a part of reflections on the cross um, that we had on Friday. It was just an open house where people can come through um, and experience, have a kind of different interactive experience with Christ other than just a typical service. And we had a bunch of people show up. In fact, over half of the people that came don't go to our church, which I thought, like, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, but the win here isn't the amount of people who showed up or who showed up. Um, the win here is that as I was talking to people, the few people that I did get to talk to about it, everyone that I talked to had, had an encounter with Jesus that they weren't expecting, that they were like, whoa, I'm blown away by, by how Jesus spoke to me at this station or what happened here. And um, that's what I'm excited about, people experiencing that. Um, and so I'm just so glad that you guys got to experience that. I'm so glad to the volunteers who helped out with that. Thanks to these artists, all of this art here, it was done by people in our church, which I was blown away at how many artists we have in this church and like who came out of the woodwork. I was like, I didn't know you painted, that's awesome. Or I didn't know you painted this well, you know. Um, so it was really cool to see your guys' art on display. Um, so thanks for being a part of that. Well, um, today we're going to talk about being people of the cross. That's today's Easter message. And I'm going to start with telling you that you probably know that companies love their logos. And not only do they love their logos, they want you to associate their logo with their brand. But then the huge win for that is if you associate their logo with their brand and a certain ideology or, um, you know, or, a, or a, an expectation, maybe. So here, let me give you an example. Uh, when I lived in northern Wisconsin, it's kind of snowy up there and kind of wilderness-y, I thought that I needed a Subaru. Do you know why I needed a Subaru? Because Subaru was associated with like the outdoor culture, with adventure, with excitement, off-road stuff. Did I need a Subaru? No. But I seriously considered buying one because it was, I wanted to be a part of that culture. I thought it was cool. So let's do this. I'm gonna, you guys want to play some Pictionary today? All right, I hear two people that want to play Pictionary with me. The rest of you can just sit out. Um, we're going to play some Pictionary. So I've got a board up here. I'm going to give you a hint as far as these are going to be logos. All right, I'm going to draw a couple of logos. And you're just going to shout it out. If you're online, type it in the comments. Get your typing fingers ready. And I want you to type out this logo, what I'm about to draw. Now, I'm not the best drawer. Liz is the drawer, the artist in the family. So this might be a little bit difficult, but we're going to try. Ready? Here we go. Oh, who said it? Scott. Okay, Liz, I need your help. Do you think that Scott likes Reese's? Maybe? All right. Go. Yeah, well, you're slacking. All right, let's do, the, let's do the next one. I got the wrong color. 
Um, but this one's going to be very difficult. Ready? Whoa, who got it? Who said it? Oh, yeah, Luke, Luke back there. Uh, Luke, you need more sugar in your life, I feel like. So there's some peeps for you. All right. This might be the hardest one yet. I practiced this one because I wasn't too sure on how to do it. So we'll give it a try. Um, I think it goes like this. Like this. Oh, nice. Let me finish. Can I finish, though? <laughs> I practiced this one, guys. There it is. That's, that's what I can do. So those, those brands. Oh, Rob, you get the best one of all. Show the people what he's won. A Dove chocolate bunny. Oh, claps. Claps for the chocolate bunny. Reminds me of a VeggieTales I once saw where people were clapping for a bunny. Um, all right, so Nike. You guys know Nike, what it stands for, right? It's like uh, success and, and victory. You probably know that the Greek word Nike means victory. And that's the swoosh. Everybody knows the swoosh. And then we had McDonald's. That I kind of used to associate more with like happiness and family time. And, and like a happy meal was the best thing you could ever get as a child, wasn't it? Um, and then we've got Mercedes, which is like the symbol of success maybe or luxury. I, uh, there's, a, there's a commercial for Mercedes. And they said, oh, they said you can't. You, you can't buy happiness, but now you can lease it. You know, like, cool, Mercedes. I don't think you really get that, but that's all right. So the truth is, we live in this world of logos. We unconsciously think that uh, I want everything that that logo represents. I, I want the success. I want the luxury. I want the status, the happiness, the confidence. I want to be a winner with Nike. That's what logos represent. And for Christians... Our logo has been a cross. For the last 2,000 years, we've had a cross as our logo, just two pieces of wood stuck together. A, a cross on which criminals were executed. It was an instrument of death, and that has served as our logo for 2,000 years. If you're trying to create a movement, the cross probably wasn't the way to do it in the early days because it wasn't a symbol of, um, of peace, of life, of forgiveness. It was a torture device. It was a symbol of death. It was a shameful way to die even. But now today it's kind of become this, uh, it's kind of become a, a popular thing. You can buy crosses at Target. Show them, that, show them that slide of this cross. This nice little cross you can buy at Tiffany's for just a mere $16,000 if you would like. So it's kind of become this a popular thing, and we can forget about what the cross actually stood for. In Jesus' day, the cross wasn't a sign of happiness or status. It was the ultimate symbol of humiliation and death. There's a lot of pain on the cross, and I want us to under, understand what Jesus experienced. Jesus experienced first the injustice that he was on the cross. He was accused of things he didn't do. He was mocked, he was spit upon, he was whipped, betrayed, deserted, beaten. They took a crown of thorns and put that on his head, probably pressed down into it. 
On the same shoulders that were beaten, Jesus had to carry his own torture device, his own cross. And then he was nailed to the cross. You guys have probably heard that the nails went through his hands or wrists. And then they put one nail through both of the arches of his feet. He died a torturous, slow, shameful, unjust, miserable death. It's what Jesus, the Son of God, experienced for my sake and for yours. So why? Why does Jesus do that? Because of his love for us so that we could experience new life with him. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says that he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. You see that word everyone in there? It really means everyone. Because as Jesus was dying, as he was up on the cross, he looked across this scene and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that scene and looking down on those people? I wonder if Jesus, like there was a guy who had a name, like you and I have a name, who thought of the idea of the crown of thorns. Like he thought, hey, you know, in, in twisted humor, he said, you know, it would be funny if we got this, these thorns. And he probably went out to a bush and he got thorns and he, raveled, he put them in a circle and gave it to the guards and said, hey, put this on his head. That guy. I wonder if Jesus could look down on him from the cross and say, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. I imagine Jesus from the cross could see the very men who drove the nails into his hands and feet. He says, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And I wonder if Jesus, you know, right after the scene, right after Jesus says, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, it tells us that, the Bible tells us that they put the sign on the cross that said, Jesus, King of the Jews, just a sign to mock him. And I wonder if as he's saying, forgive them, he can see the guy etching Jesus, king of the Jews, who's about to put that sign on his cross, and yet he says, forgive him. They don't know what they're doing. So here is Jesus, our perfect example of not only grace and forgiveness, but also compassion. Do you feel the compassion that Jesus has for the people who have put him here? And so, no matter who you are, what you've done or not done, no matter what others have said about you, you can receive this kind of grace and compassion. If the men who drove the nails into Jesus' hands can receive that kind of grace and forgiveness and compassion, then what does that say for you? Of course, you can too. Now, these are all the physical sufferings of Jesus on the cross. But Jesus' deepest suffering wasn't physical, it was spiritual. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, we read that on the cross, he who knew no sin became sin for our sake, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That means that you and me, because of Jesus, we get to stand before God faultless, like without sin, without any wrongdoing. We get to stand before God as though we've done nothing wrong. Think for a moment about the darkest thing you've ever done. Now imagine experiencing the weight of that sin and countless other sins you've committed, along with 
everyone else's in the world their darkest sins and add to that the guilt, the pain, the shame, the regret of all humanity, every act of physical abuse, every act of injustice, every murder, every genocide, every betrayal, every deception, every mean and spiteful word. Imagine feeling the crushing weight of all that sin on your shoulders at one moment of time. Jesus did. And he took that sin, and he took all those wrongdoings to the grave with him. And while he walked out of that tomb three days later, all that other junk stayed in the tomb. Jesus conquered sin and death. Because Jesus rose from the dead, as we celebrate on Easter, he conquered sin and death once and for all. And now we have new life with Christ. That's the power of Easter and the power of his cross and resurrection, that we get to experience new life with all, without all that junk that was left in the grave. We get new life with Christ. I was drinking this water bottle this week. Um, Nestle Pure Life. And as I was writing like this exact part of my sermon, I set this down and I look on the label. You won't be able to see it, but maybe if you grab one of these later. It says, pure life begins now. Now, to a water company, I feel like that's a garbage statement. I don't understand that. Um, But pure life begins now. That's what we get in Jesus. His new life begins now. I think sometimes as Christians, we kind of think like, all right, I believe in Jesus, and I'm good to go now. And we kind of twiddle our thumbs, and we wait till heaven, and we think that heaven is the real party. And it will be a party, don't worry. But the Bible also tells us that true life, life with Jesus, begins here and now. We get to celebrate this new life here and now. Through the power of Jesus, we get new life. Now, there's a power of the cross. Um, It was very apparent to all present That what took place on the cross, like the people that were physically standing there, when Jesus died was an act of extraordinarily uh, spiritual power. And the earth itself, the physical world, it was the first to experience this power. We read in Matthew 27 that the land became dark and began to shake violently. Um, You can see that the darkness back here, I love this painting how it shows the darkness. There's some other paintings too that I really enjoyed, just kind of like the dark, uh, the darkness that came over the land. And then suddenly it says that the veil that separated man from the Holy of Holies, the innermost part of the temple, was torn in two. So this veil in the temple, uh, there was this room where uh, the Jewish people Um, it was thought that that's where God's physical presence resided. Like, that's where God resided. And only one person, one time a year, could go in there. If you went in there any other time, you'd die instantly. So only one person, the high priest would go in there to offer a sacrifice. There's this huge curtain, 60 feet high, 30 feet wide. And no one knew how exactly thick it was, but the estimates are between one inch and four inches. That's no shower curtain, guys. Like, four, like one inch is this big. Let's just talk about one inch. We'll leave four inches out. One inch thick curtain is a very thick curtain. That's crazy. And so that's the, that's the veil that was torn. And that's what this painting represents. 
the, the veil that's torn. This is the veil here, keeping us from the Holy of Holies. And now that's split in two, the, the, um, the symbolic nature of that act. Not just the power, but also the symbolism that God is no longer in this tiny room, but he is released into the world. His power released to us. The Bible tells us that we now have the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And that he lives in us like he did the temple. That's what all those temple verses in the New Testament are about. That we are God's new temple. And that started with Jesus. I kind of went on a tangent there. I got excited. Um, but yeah, the scene was so powerful that the centurion, that was like a Roman officer. He's not just some like peon. He was like, he was in charge of a lot of dudes. And he looked up at Jesus while all this was happening And he said, truly, this is the Son of Man. He recognized the power that was happening. Another part of that power is the power of forgiveness that we've received. Because Jesus, who lived a perfect life, died for you and I in our place so that we could have life with him. And so he offers us free forgiveness, just like we talked about earlier. Forgiveness is just flowing. If the people who put him on the cross receive that kind of forgiveness, then we get to as well. Then also because of the cross, there's uh, victory and power over evil. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says this. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them in the cross. I feel like I could preach a whole sermon on that verse right there. I won't. But I just love that God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. There's some like legal speak there. That that our, our wrongdoings, our sins are canceled because of Jesus. And then Paul tells us that when Jesus died, he disarmed these spiritual powers and authorities opposed to God. Another translation says uh, he made a public spectacle of them. The very thing that the the religious leaders and the authorities were trying to do to Jesus in that moment. When Jesus died on the cross, he was really showing the ultimate triumph of the self-sacrificing love of God. Because of the cross, there's victory and power over sin and evil. That's the power of Easter. That's the power of the cross and resurrection. Because of the cross, because of the resurrection, you and I can experience victory in our lives. You can begin to experience transformation. You don't have to be stuck in whatever you're stuck in. Because of the cross, you can experience spiritual freedom. Romans 6 tells us, uh, listen to this, Give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, 
For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. God's desire is that you and I become people of the cross. And this means a couple of things. It means that we accept the grace and forgiveness freely given to us through Jesus by way of the cross. It means that, as Romans says, we give ourselves completely to God. And not only is there eternal life, but there's also new life here and now. Sin, our wrongdoings, other people's wrongs against us no longer control us in the freedom of Jesus. Instead, we live under the freedom of God's grace. More than anything, God's desire for you and me is to live in friendship and intimacy with him. And he offers that daily relationship to us by his way of death and resurrection. Being a person of the cross, it also means that God desires that this self-giving, self-sacrificial love that was so supremely displayed on the cross is also displayed in our lives. In this room, in our living rooms, in our classrooms, in the boardroom, everywhere that we are, that giving, self-sacrificing love is displayed because Jesus is in us. In Luke 9, Jesus shares some of the most sobering words he ever spoke. He says, If anyone would follow me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and daily follow me. This other version, I like it too. This is the New Living Translation. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. So let me ask you, have you told God, I choose to take up my cross, to follow you, to live the life that you've called me to live as your son and daughter? Have you told him that you accept his forgiveness for you and that you want to live with and for him now? And if you have done that, my question for you then is, have you continued to say yes to Jesus? Have you continued to say yes to being a person of the cross? Have you continued to take up your cross daily and follow him? It's not always easy. It involves a kind of death where out of obedience we have to lay down ourselves. There's a story, very old story, of this kid named Mark. He was eight years old. His sister was six. And she was dying. She needed a blood transfusion. And so he was a perfect match. And so his parents came to him. He said, hey, you're a perfect match for this. Will you give your blood so that your sister can live? And he said, well, let me think about it. And his parents were kind of like, well, that's weird. Okay, we'll let you think about it, though. Um, so he thought about it. Next morning, he came to his parents, and he said, yes. Mom and Dad, I want to do it. And they're like, well, that's good. We're going to make you do it anyway. But um, glad that you decided that. Good job. So they get to the hospital. Um, they start the blood transfusion. They put an IV in him to take the blood. And then his sister is waiting there for the blood. And the kid looks up at the doctor and he says, is this going to hurt? And he's like, oh, just a little bit. It won't be too bad. And he's like, well, how long will it take before I die? And what his parents didn't communicate to him is that he, wasn't, he didn't have to die. But he was willing to give up his life so his sister could live. Love is no 
is, is never so fully alive as when it gives. Take up your cross daily and follow Jesus in his example of love, forgiveness, grace, self-sacrifice. I don't know what may be going on in your life right now. Um, I don't know what's going on that may keep you from walking more closely with God. We all carry an issue or two or a hundred that dull our passion and our desire for God. Maybe it's selfishness, pride, resentment, greed, fear, comfort, addiction, unforgiveness, anger. Maybe it's a certain situation that you just can't let go of with somebody else. And what I'm asking you today is, will you nail that to the cross? Will you let that die? Will you allow the power of his resurrection to give you new life with him? I have a way that we can put this into action, a symbolic act. You have a card um, on your chair or nearby that just says people of the cross on it. And what I'd like you to do is just write down one thing on the back. Flip it over, write down one thing on the back that you can nail to the cross. That, that one thing that's um, maybe keeping you from a passionate spiritual life. Pray about that thing. Ask what that may be and write it down. We can go down different roads if you want to. We can choose to be people of status, of pleasure, comfort. We can be winners. We can chase down those different worldly things? Or will you have the courage to say, I'm going to be a man or woman of the cross. Today, I'm going to take up my cross. I'll mess up, but I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to be a, be a person of the cross again and again and again. So we're going to sing a few songs here. And during the next two songs, I want to invite you to... Um, to take this piece of paper, and worship band, you guys can come up right now. Take this piece of paper, write on it, and during the next two songs, come on up, and I want, I want to invite you just to press that piece of paper onto one of these nails. Nail it to the cross. Just put it on there. You can fold it if you want. You can reverse it if you want. Just put it on the cross as a symbolic way to say, Jesus, I give this to you. I give this up to you. And then after that, what I think is even more important is to come up here and after you press that onto the piece of paper, grab a communion cup. We have a few communion cups in here. And take it back to your seat. We're going to do communion individually today. Um, as you feel led. So nail your thing to the cross. Come up here, get communion, and then go back to your seat. And when you're ready during the next two worship songs, take the bread and remember that it is Christ's body broken for you. And then drink the cup, remembering that it is Christ's blood shed for you. Do this as a way to remember that you have new life in Christ. The cross gives us new life. Let's worship. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.